If you would, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to continue on, a, on our series. Um, it's been kind of a broken up series, but a series nonetheless. Um, the marks of a true Christian. We've been going at this for a few weeks now, and again, it's been kind of broken up, one here and one there, and, and that's okay. That's not a problem whatsoever. Um, it'll probably be that to the, throughout the duration of the series, because it just things happen and things are, are in, in uh, play that we're not aware of when we start things like this, and that's okay. It's not a big deal at all. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9. The marks of a true Christian. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, beloved. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Father and our God, we do humble ourselves before you this morning to say thank you for another day and thank you for the opportunity to be gathered in your house, Father, to the opportunity to to study and, and learn your word. Father, I just pray for your guidance and your direction this morning. Father, I pray for those who are unable to be here. I just pray for your presence to be felt wherever they may be. Of course, Father, we lift up the mission team to you this morning and ask that you would watch over them and, and make um, their progress great, Father, that each one that comes in contact with them would be blessed by their presence. Father, we just ask for your guidance and your direction throughout our service this morning. And Father, we thank you and we praise you for all that you've done. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 12, as we continue on our journey of marks of a true Christian, uh, this week we get to verse 12 in chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 is where we'll be starting out at. Um, of course, just a little bit of a, a background. We're just talking about the things that, that identify us, characteristics or marks of a true Christian. Things the Bible says that if you're a Christian, this will be visible in you. This will be your behavior. This will be your mindset. This will be your actions. No matter what else is going on, you don't let the, the environment control your mindset or the environment dictate how you respond to, to a particular situation. It's just hardwired in you to respond this way and to be this away. And these are those marks or those characteristics of a person um, who is a true Christian. And of course we started with letting love be genuine and hating what is evil, holding on to what's good. Um, we've talked about loving one another with brotherly affection and trying to outdo each other in showing honor. 
trying to put others ahead of self and, and trying to be humble enough to not be uh, so self-focused that it's a competition to get more recognition. The competition should be to give the honor and give the recognition. And then we came on down into um, uh, not being slothful in zeal, not being slothful or lazy in your excitement for the Lord, but being fervent in spirit or on fire or, or, or completely geared towards the idea of serving God. And in this morning we stop at rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. One of the main problems our society has today, our, our, our culture, the reason for a lot of the things we deal with, the reason they even exist is a lack of hope. We live in a hopeless society. We're surrounded daily by people that see no hope. They have no hope. And the reason is, is there's only one source for a true hope that never lets you down. And if you're not plugged into that source, then you are no doubt hopeless and without hope. And the problem is, is most people put their hope in the things of this world. They pursue things like money or job or car or house or, or spouse or, or having... There, there's so many things that we pursue believing that it will give us hope. And time after time, we get let down. In other words, I, if I could just get ten more dollars, and if I could just get ten more dollars, and you get that ten dollars, and guess what? If I just had ten more dollars, if I just had ten, if I just had a hundred more dollars, and you keep pursuing that, and forever it lets you down. It's not there. What you thought resided in that next ten dollars did not exist, right? So now the thing you have put your hope in has continually let you down. Now you're hopeless. If I could just get the next promotion, because it, it come with this and it come with that, and you get that next promotion, you work your hind end off, you put in all them hours, and you sacrifice everything to attain it, and you get that promotion, and guess what? Well, if I could just get to the next one, because then it then it have a company vehicle and a company phone, and the money would be this, and then you work and you bust it, and you sacrifice family time, and you sacrifice church, and you sacrifice self. For nothing but that next promotion and you get there and guess what? And it's so elusive and we chase things that we can't attain. And, and they, don't, they do not contain the things we think they do when we start our pursuit. And then by the time we get there and figure out that it's empty, we've wasted all that time and energy and sacrificed everything else just to find out it's not what we thought it was. It doesn't contain what we thought it did. And then we become hopeless because we had put our hope in that. That was going to be what takes us to where we want to be. That was what's going to give us the joy and the happiness that we all long for. And then we get to it and it's just more of the same. And what we thought was there is not there. And we end up hopeless. And we, and we end up walking around spreading as much negativity as we can possibly imagine because if I'm going to be miserable, guess what? I want everybody around me to be miserable too. And we see that day in and day out and we, say that, we see that all the time out of, out of people <coughs> everywhere. And everywhere you go, that's the mindset and it's there because of the hopelessness. 
We have no hope. They have no hope. Because everything they've ever tried to pursue, let them down. Well, maybe you're pursuing the wrong thing. Maybe you're looking for your hope in the wrong places. Maybe you ain't found it because you ain't looked in the right spot. Right? Because I can assure you there's only one option. There's only one source for a true hope that'll never let you down. And that's through a relationship with your Maker through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the only source of it. That's the only way it exists. That's the only place you can find it. Go with me to Ro- back up in Romans to Romans chapter 5. Paul talks about this in, a, in another time too. Romans chapter 5, we'll just read verses 1 and 2. Now, I want to, uh, uh, as always, keep the... Um, Keep the context in focus here as we, as we flip through our Bibles and look at things. Chapter 5, verse 1 starts with the word, therefore. So it ties back to something else, right? Well, if you were to go back and start in, in, in chapter 4 and, and read through chapter 4, you'll see that the, the topic is faith and being justified by faith and knowing and understanding that there's only one way into heaven and that's through faith, Right? That's what chapter 4 is about, is, is the faith of Abraham and the fact that, that Abraham was given the promise 400 years before he was given the law. So the law was never meant to be what justified you. It was meant to show you your need for God. It's always been about faith, even in the Old Testament. And that's what Paul's talking about in chapter 4. Alright, knowing that, knowing that this, is, this whole deal is about your faith, Chapter 5, therefore, right, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way you have peace with God is through a relationship through Jesus Christ. That's it, through faith, your faith in Christ. Not keeping the law, not keeping the rules, not church attendance, not being a pastor, not being a deacon, not being on the worship, none of that's going to do it, right? The only way you get peace with God is a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. Your faith in Christ is what gives you that peace with God. Look at this in verse 2. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith, listen to me, by faith into this grace in which we stand. Why am I where I am and other people ain't got there yet? The grace of God. It ain't got nothing to do with me. Why are you where you are and other people ain't got there or have passed you? The grace of God. It ain't got nothing to do with you. It's the grace of God that puts you where you are. Listen. And because we stand in this grace through faith and faith alone, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope that God is exactly who He says He is. We rejoice in the hope that Christ is exactly who He says He is. Christ is either exactly who He says He is, or He's a liar. Because He said He was the Son of God. Right? So if He's not that, then He is a liar. He's not just a great teacher, because I ain't never known a great teacher to be a liar. 
Right? He's not a great prophet because great prophets ain't liars. Right? He's either exactly who he says he is and he says he's the son of God or he's a liar. My hope is based on the fact that he's exactly who he says he is. That's where my hope's at. My hope is that he, like God, can't break a promise. Because he promised that if I go and prepare you a place, I'll come back and get you to take you to that place. Right? If he ain't doing that, it's all for naught. See, my hope is based on my faith. That's why there's so many people without hope, because they don't have faith. They've put their faith in the wrong thing. They've put their hope in the wrong thing. They're chasing after the wrong stuff. A mark of a true Christian is you won't find us chasing those things. You'll find us chasing a real hope in our faith in Jesus Christ. And therefore, you'll find us rejoicing in that hope. So why so many people walking around with their head down and their lips stepping, they stepping on it every other step, having to move their lip? Because they don't have their hope in the right place. Therefore, they have no reason to rejoice or celebrate. Even in the trials of this life, just like Dale already pointed out this morning, even in the trials of this life, we can find joy in our hope that comes from our faith in Jesus Christ. Do you see this puzzle coming together? You see how all this works? Listen, I, I, say, I, wish I, knew, I wish I had a better memory than I do, and I kind of wish I'd have got this video up or got Nathan to get it up to show this morning, but I'm going to tell you about it. Some of you, most of you have already seen it or heard of it. The, the lady that was a police officer that went into her apartment and there was a guy in there and she shot and killed him. Come to find out she wasn't in her apartment, she was in his. At her trial this past week, the guy whom she killed's brother took the stand. And he said, I ain't got but one thing to say about all this. I hope and pray that you find Jesus Christ. And it's because of my relationship with Jesus Christ that I'm able to sit here today and tell you the person who killed my brother unnecessarily that I forgive you. I'm not mad at you. I don't want you to get what you deserve. I'm not angry in any way. Now, I want to tell you something. That ain't human nature. That ain't human nature. That ain't, that ain't what comes natural to you. That ain't what comes natural to me. There's only one way that happens. I can look at the fruit of this situation and go, that guy's a Christian. Why? Because the marks, the characteristics of a Christian have come out of him. He goes on to say, Judge, would you allow me to hug her? How many of you want to hug the neck of the person who killed your loved one? It's not natural. You know what? The world looks at that and goes, that's crazy. There's even been politicians that went public going, that's not, that's not normal. That's not okay. And I'm going, you're right. It ain't okay. Because that's Jesus Christ living through that man. It's not possible. So you know what I know about that guy? His hope ain't got nothing to do with this world. His hope's in a different place. The scene goes on. Everybody clears the courtroom. That lady and her lawyers are still kind of lagging behind. She's been handed a sentence. She is going to spend some time in prison. And she should. I mean, she took the life of an innocent person. It was a mistake, but hey, it's a costly mistake. The judge comes back into the courtroom and goes over to the lady and hands her her Bible. 
And she says, this is the Bible. I got four or five, but this is the one I study every day. This is the one I read every day, and I want you to have it because the only way that any of this is ever going to make any sense is if you get a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, I can, I can point to you right there, two people that are what is known as true Christians. Why? Because they say they are? Where is their hope? It ain't in the judicial system, right? It ain't in the fact that people will just do right. Because that ain't going to happen, right? Now see, their hope is in Jesus Christ and their faith in Him. And they're able to take that hope and not just hold it for themselves and rejoice in it themselves, but share it with other people. And take that hope and that joy and let it be contagious to those around you. That's what this whole thing is supposed to look like. That's how we're supposed to be identified is the rest of the world looks at it and goes, well, that don't make any sense. Good, then I've done something right. If other people, if the world stands up against me, I must be doing something right. If, I, if I'm going through my life as a Christian and everybody around me agrees with me, something's broken, something's wrong, something's not right. Right? I should stand out. There should be something different about the way I handle myself and the way I confront things and the way I deal with things and the way I handle things. And it shouldn't be me walking around with my head down and looking defeated all the time. I serve the King of Kings. I can't be defeated. The only victory Satan gets in my life is what I give him. Right? He ain't got permission to do nothing that God don't give him permission to do. And the only way I'm going to fail is if I allow it to happen. Now that's not to say hard times don't come. I'm not telling you tribulation ain't on the way. I'm not telling you you're going to be rich and prosper and all you got to do is be faithful and if you pray it'll happen. That's not true. And there's a lot of that teaching out there and every bit of it is what's known as false doctrine. It's not true. There's no promises in the Bible that I won't have hurts and struggles because I'm a Christian. As a matter of fact, the opposite is true. In this life, you will have tribulation. The rest of that verse says, But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Right? So my joy isn't based on my circumstances in this world. My joy and my ability to hope and my ability to rejoice is in the fact that God is who He says He is. And I've got a relationship with Him through His Son. That's where my joy's at. That's where my hope's at. Listen, y'all. Ten out of ten people die. Some of it's because of bad decisions. Some of it ain't got nothing to do with what they was doing. Some of it's out of their control. Some of it ain't. But the fact is, 10 out of... Some of them's old when they go. Some of them's really young when they go. And for the only hope that we have, the only hope that we have is that when this life is over, the next one begins. Because it's drudgery to go through this life thinking that in this world is the best there is. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that the things you see in this world is the best there is? That's depressing. No wonder you ain't got no joy. Because what I'm looking forward to ain't got nothing to do with what's in this world. It's when this one's over. Right? It's when the end of this one is here. It's when the afterlife begins, the time in heaven, the worship, the, the, the setting at the feet of my Savior and doing nothing but worship day to day. No more dirt and oil and grease, right? 
No more sweat. No more 96 degree days. Man, I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired of them. I'm too fat for this, y'all. If they don't quit, I'm going to have to move. I'm going to have to go to Utah or somewhere. I can't survive in this. Because losing weight seems to be out of the, off the plate for me. I've tried it, and it kind of went well for a while, and then, you know, ice cream season hit, and it goes the other way. So now I'm back to fat me, and I'm still hot, and it's 96, and I don't like it. Just think if that's all there is. Just think if this is the best there is. If my failures is as good as it gets. No wonder they're depressed. No wonder they don't have any hope. No wonder they don't have any respect or regard for life. Right? Our hope isn't based on this world. And listen, I'm not talking to you about a hope like I I hear the ice cream truck, I hope he comes down my street. Right? That's not this kind of hope. Now, this is a blessed assurance, right? You can take it to the bank, a blessed assurance kind of hope. In other words, what I'm telling you is Christ is who He says He is. God is who He says He is. And what He says is going to happen is going to happen. That's your hope. You can, you can, it's a blessed assurance. You can be assured of it. You can, you can take it to the bank. There's no doubt about it. Let's go on to the next one. Montana, would you run back here and see if there's something wet in that refrigerator? Um, back to Romans chapter 12. Still in verse 12. Be patient in tribulation. Now we, we went from rejoice in hope to be patient in tribulation. Thank you, dear. To be patient in tribulation. In other words, there is coming hard times. There, it's, there's... There's no way around it. It's going to happen. In this world, there will be tribulations. It's going to happen. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This world isn't all there is. But let me assure you, while you live, while you walk in this world, there will be hard, difficult times. There will be things that you have to face that you wish you never had to face it. It's going to happen. Be patient. It's only for a time. It's temporary. It's hard and it stinks and nobody likes it. I get that. I understand that. Me too. But your hope is that this is a temporary thing. To be patient in this thing. We just seen Dale read from us in the book of James that these times build things inside of you. They grow things inside of you. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it stinks. No, it's not fun. And I'm not standing up here telling you it ought to be easy. It's not easy. And I'm also not telling you that as a Christian that it's even easier. It's actually harder because you can't respond the way the world responds. Right? So it's actually more difficult to endure these things as a Christian. I get that. I know that. I hear you. But be patient. It's only for a time. Listen, your hope ain't in the things of this world. The hope that you have can't be removed by some sort of tragic event. The hope that you have can't be, the, the, the joy that lives and abides inside of you can't be discarded just because things didn't go your way for a little while or even in the most tragic of times. It's not based on the things of this world. Be patient in tribulation. Be patient. It's only for a time. 
It's only going to last for so long. All of this garbage in this world is passing away. It's all going away. This is actually part of the process, this tribulation. Go back to Romans chapter 5. We're going to read some more of that. Romans chapter 5, we'll pick up in verse 3. Now we just talked about the rejoice and the hope of the glory of God. We talked about the grace of God. We talked about faith being the basis for all of it. And look in verse 3. Not only that, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Rejoice in suffering. Listen, this ain't natural to you. This ain't what you would normally do. How many of you are excited when things don't go your way? How many of you are excited when a loved one dies? How many of you are excited when a trial hits? How many of you... We're not. It's not natural to you to rejoice in your sufferings. But listen, it can be if your hope is in the right place and your faith is in the right place, then it's possible that you can rejoice in your sufferings when you understand that your sufferings produces endurance. It's a process of growth that's taking place inside of each one of us. Listen, you don't wake up the day after you become a Christian having mastered all this stuff. No, it's a process. It's a process of finding our weak points and working on those and trying to get stronger where we're weak and trying to root out the things that don't belong at all. It's not a a white clean across the board. Now, you start with a new slate, but the process of being rebuilt and recreated. You have become a new creature. You know the thing about new creations? Everything's brand new. <laughs> right? Everything, everything's got to be built and, and, and shaped and molded. And, right? It's a new creation. You are a new creation. So don't get discouraged that you ain't able to rejoice in your sufferings. Maybe you ain't to that point yet. But you can't quit and throw your hands up and go, Well, this ain't working. Oh, it's working. That's why you're discouraged by it, because it's working. See, the things that are easy to attain really ain't worth having. That's the truth. That's the truth. If you don't have to work for it, if it's just handed to you, but if you've got to overcome something or you've got to fight something, I'll just, salvation, that's the freest thing in this world, right? It's free. But is it easy? No. No, because you've got to overcome self. You've got to overcome flesh. You've got to fight through some things, right? Because self wants you to be back out there in that world where you've always been. Anything worth having is not easy. If it's easy to attain, it's probably not worth having. You ought to have to work for it. It ought to cost you something. There ought to be some sacrifice involved, right? That's the way it works. So why would you not rejoice in your sufferings, knowing that the hard times bring the good stuff? That's where we grow, right? That's where we get more mature. That's where we become more like the image of God's glory that He desires for us to be. And He truly desires for that for each one of us to be a reflection of... He wants to look down from heaven and see just a bunch of reflections of His glory. And He sent us an example of what His glory looks like in Jesus Christ. So to look down and see little Jesus is running around everywhere. That's what He desires. He's trying to shape us in motives. Listen, you ain't there yet. I ain't there yet. It's a, it's a progress. It's a process. 
And it's about moving forward. And, and, and we start by trying to display the things that God tells us to display. The true marks of a Christian. The true characteristics of a tr Christian. Being able to rejoice in sufferings. It don't come natural to you. You've got to work to earn that. I've got to work to earn that. Because what comes natural to me is what comes natural to the world. Throw down, lay down on the floor and kick and stomp. And it ain't fair. They'll do it. We think just kids do that. <laughs> it ain't just kids anymore. These grown people laying on the floor this morning kicking and screaming. It ain't fair. Whoever promised you it would be fair? Rejoice in your sufferings. Look at this. Keep reading in, in, in Romans 5. Stay in Romans 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Wow. Endurance produces character. What is character? Huh? Right, it's who you are. It's how you respond when hard times hit. It's how you respond when good times hit. It's your character. And good character's doing the right thing when nobody's looking, right? Because the one you're trying to impress ain't wrapped in flesh anymore. Right? And, and, and this, this character, this trait comes from suffering. You grow a whole lot more in suffering than you do when it's going your way because what happens when it's going our way? What happens when we ain't suffering? We don't think nothing about it. We just assume we deserve that and we've earned that and we right. right? But in suffering, we're looking for help. We're looking for somebody to help pull us through. And the best place you can be is in the place where you are completely and totally dependent on God. When you got to depend on Him and Him alone, when you throw your hands up and go, I can't do it, that God goes, finally, I'm glad to see you here. I'm glad for you to be in a spot where you finally realize you can't. He's never asked you to. Right? He's asked you to draw on the power that He gives you. He asked you to humble yourself and be completely obedient and completely dependent on Him. Just do what He says. Why? Because He said do it. We had this discussion in, in, in Sunday school this morning a little bit. Somebody asked, how did we get to where we are today in our society? And I said, I can give you my opinion. I'm an expert on my opinion. I know more about it than any of y'all do. Right? And in my opinion, we got to where we are today by not instilling the things of God in our children. We're more concerned with their feelings than we are their spiritual well-being. We don't want them to have their feelings hurt. You can ask my daughter, do I give a rip about her feelings? I don't care about your feelings to us, sister. No, I don't. I, and I tell, the reason she tells you that because I tell her, these decisions I'm making on your behalf ain't got nothing to do with your feelings. They got to do with your eternity, your spiritual well-being. See, we quit doing that for our kids. And we start letting our kids run our household. And we let them, how many decisions you get to make at my house? Right, zero. Exactly. <laughs> Why? Because she's 13. I ain't turning my household over to a 13-year-old girl full of hormones and all that mess. No. Heck no. No. 
But we do, don't we? Y'all have seen it happen, right? It happens. There's people that they're children. Listen, you can't be there. Because you ain't building nothing, no kind of care. You ain't building nothing in them when they make the decisions. I think Sean was the one that made the comment, hey, you're too. You'll do what I said so because I said so. That's it. That's, all, that's what it comes down to. We lost that in our society. And when you begin to lose that, the things that are important to their spiritual well-being aren't poured into them. And they all of a sudden begin to think that they can do it on their own. They can't, just like you can't. They have to be dependent on you. And if you're dependent on God, then you'll lead them to that same place. And someday they'll get to the place in their life where they're dependent on God like you were. But if you allow them to believe that somehow they can do this on their own, you're setting them up for a major failure in more ways than one. Endurance produces character. What produces endurance? Suffering, right? So if you never let them suffer, what have you grown in them? A spoiled, rotten kid. You're exactly right. Bad as I hate to admit it, you're exactly right. Spoiled, rotten. They, they don't know what, they don't have nothing. Because suffering, failure, produces endurance, and endurance produces character. See, there's no way for them to rejoice in their sufferings and learn to rejoice in their sufferings if you don't let them suffer. When God looks down from heaven, He has that same mindset that Brother Nick can't learn how to Rejoice in suffering if I never let him see suffering. Right? It's the same thing for your children. If you don't ever let them suffer, and I ain't talking about suffering to the point that we as adults suffer. I'm just talking about letting them hear the word no. That's a, some of them ain't never heard. That'd be suffering in itself for some of them to just be told no. Have their little hands spanked. But they ain't going to know how to handle it if you don't let them endure it, right? Same thing for you and I in, in, in our walk with Christ. Keep going. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, still in chapter 5. Verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Listen to that. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through His Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love dwells inside of you as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. Come on, back over here to chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. I went to 1 Corinthians. I'm supposed to be in Romans. Y'all knew what I meant, right? Romans, 1 Corinthians, you know. That was that's exactly what I did is picked up my Sunday school marker and went there. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. And here's the key to it all. This is how it's possible. Be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. You can't do these things. You can't do these things in and of yourself. You've got to be constantly plugged in to the source. And the way that you stay constantly plugged in with the source is be in constant communication with the source. 
Be constant in prayer. Our Sunday school class years ago, um, Kevin and I started a Sunday school class. I think we called it Bible 101. Um, and we, we just started questioning everything about our faith. We just started asking questions. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? Why do we do this? Where does this come from? Where are we told about this? What is, and we just started taking the things that he and I both had been taught all our lives and we turned them into Sunday school lessons. And we, we studied all the different things that we had been taught and we didn't take anybody's word for anything. We sat down with our Bibles and we dug it out. And when we walked away with it from it, we could tell you wholeheartedly why we believed what we believed. It wasn't because it was what I was taught all my life. It was because the Scripture said it was there. Now that was kind of hard because we'd been taught some things that wasn't exactly right and it became a, a realization point for the two of us. One of the things that we come across in that study and doing those things was a, a passage of Scripture where Paul says to pray without ceasing. So we made that a challenge. We turned it into a Sunday school lesson and we made a challenge. See how far you can go in pray without ceasing. The first time I tried it, I made it about three minutes. <laughs> and, and this wasn't a matter of on your face, in the altar, head down and pray. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what he's talking about. It was constant communication with God. In other words, only doing what God says do. Make sure that I check every step I take and clear it with God before I do it. Right? Being in constant prayer. Pray without ceasing. My attempt was, was short-lived. So I started again, and it was a little better. And I started again, and it was a little better. And by the time we quit focusing on that, of course, when we quit focusing on something, it goes by the wayside, right? Because that's what we, we're human. That's what we do. I, I, had, I had one time in that span that was about three days that I could honestly tell you that I prayed without ceasing, or I prayed constantly for three days. I could, I could give you the events of those three days and show you that I did not lose my focus for three days. Of course, then I quit. Constant in prayer. See, what I found out is, is when I mess up, when I find myself in a place, when I, when I throw one of my little temper tantrums, I don't know if y'all have ever been in a situation where you, we'll just take driving, for instance. Oh, yeah, see, everybody in here huffed. Right, right, and, and some people just don't know or they don't care or whatever, and it makes your blood pressure come up a little. It may, it may make you grip the steering wheel a little extra. You may even go to smacking that thing in the middle. You know what I'm saying? That, rah, rah. You, you, may, you may start getting a little closer and letting them know you're there, you know, all these things. When that happens, you can write that down is... Out of prayer. <laughs> you, you went back into flesh, right? You responded in a fleshly manner, right? I'm talking about, when I'm talking about constant prayer, when I'm talking about pray without ceasing, I'm talking about being in a place where you are taking the steps. In other words, you are walking in the Spirit. And the only way you can do that is to be in constant contact with your Father. Because it's not in you whatsoever. 
to be able to do exactly what you're supposed to do at all times in life. You're going to mess up. You're going to make a mistake. And, and when you do, you can write that down as, I got, out, I got out of rhythm. God didn't change. God didn't move, right? God didn't walk away. I got out of contact. And when I sit down and think about that, I can honestly tell you that today, in, in my life, current time, I'm more in tune than I am out of tune. That ain't always been the case by any stretch of the imagination, and that's not a brag on me. That's the grace of God. That's where He's brought me to. That's where He's got me to today. But it didn't come without struggle, and it didn't come without hurt, and it didn't come without suffering. But you can get to that place where you have more time in tune than you have out of tune. And it's a great place to be, I'll be honest with you. I love it. It makes the times that you get out of tune harder. You sit on the side a little while longer and beat yourself up a little bit more and go, you big dummy. Why did you do that? Of all the things you could have done, you did that. Right? We're going we're gonna to wrap up for the week um, and, and pick back up at 13. Contribute to the needs of saints. Seek to show hospitality. We're still going slowly through this, this, this marks of a true Christian. Remember, we're trying to develop things inside of us that we can look at, just like the gentleman that, that wanted to hug the person that killed his brother. We want the world to look at us and go, there's something different there. That's not normal. That's not possible. So that we can be a light in this dark world we live in. And I promise you, you live in a dark world. It's very dark. Very dark. And without the light of Christ shining in it, those people will never find their way. We've got to be that guide. We've got to be the ones that help them get there. 